When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is the Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. And now... Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Russell on his backhand, nurses shot, save Crawford, 15 seconds, Kopp can't ice it, Neal back to the point, shot McDavid, deflected in the air, Kopp looking to clear, what a play by Nurse, he stole the puck, got it back, fired, wide, rebound, loose to break it, at the horn is able to clear, and Chicago has won the series. to somehow hold the puck in. He got it back on a one-timer and wired it wide. Corey Crawford and the Chicago Blackhawks have become the second 12 seed to upset a five. And Edmonton, the only team that was going to have home ice advantage had the season been played to its completion, is out. That does it for the Edmonton Oilers season. 3-2 Chicago wins game four. They win the series three games to one. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. It is 8.02 overtime open line presented by Century Casino, our last edition of the year. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown. Well, Rob, I think two separate discussions tonight. We'll have them both tonight's game and then the series as a whole. And I look at tonight's game. Not a great first period for the Oilers, but the final 40 minutes, I think they played the way you would hope a team in the postseason would play more often, uh, you know, not just when you're facing elimination, but most of the time. And you wondered when there was going to be a great goaltending performance in this series. We start from Corey Crawford tonight. He makes 43 saves, faced 20 shots in the third, stopped them all. Well, that that's your fear whenever you put yourself into a an elimination type of game that you can be the better team and at the end of the night not have the victory. And that's what happened tonight. The, the Oilers were the better team. They played, uh, especially the final 40 minutes, they played a huge, solid 40 minutes. But a goaltender can steal a game. A refing call can steal a game. A bad bounce can steal a game from you. And tonight it was Corey Crawford. He was excellent. I know there was a lot written before this series started that would he have enough magic left in his in his body to be able to, to win a short series. And then he missed training camp, and everyone started talking, well, if they don't have Corey Crawford, they have no chance. Well, he comes back with, I think he had one day of training camp, came to the bubble, and through the first four three games was just okay. But tonight he was excellent. He did everything possible to keep the puck out of the net. And tonight, in a game that the Oilers finally showed up and played with the, the way they were capable of playing, uh, were not able to beat a goaltender that's got some Stanley Cups in his in his in his drawer at home. So he he knows how to win hockey games. He knows how to win big hockey games. And tonight he did. Yeah, and just some of the notes I jotted down in the third period. Now, hey, Athanasio hit the crossbar 
But again, you know, goalies will say that's going wide, right? It hit the crossbar. Neil, that chance on the power play. Great save by Crawford. He's just throwing his leg out, hoping to take away some of the net. Made the save. Uh, Nugent Hopkins and Cassian off a scramble in front. Nugent Hopkins, another chance with about 2.40 to go. Leon blasted a one-timer with about 2.15 to go. And then a, a couple more chances around the net in the final 50 seconds when the Oilers finally pulled their goalie. They were shorthanded for taking a too, too many men penalty. So Crawford, absolutely, uh, absolutely outstanding tonight. And uh, that's a big reason why the Hawks were able to win this game. Some notes on, on the series as a whole, Rob, and everybody calling in. We're going to get to you after Dave Tippett. Here he is. Vector, Sportsnet. A bigger set of forwards and... and uh, one of the advantages we thought was you maybe be a little more physical against Chicago, but in the end, they won a lot more battles than you won. Can you figure out why? I think game to game, right? There's individual battles to go and there's mistakes that happen. Like tonight, you can't tell me that they outbattled us. We had way more opportunities than them, but we made some critical, critical mistakes at the wrong time and it went in the back of our net, you know? So game two, we were strong. Game one, we got down early and we chased the game. You're not a good, your team doesn't look good when you're chasing a game, but we probably, uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because uh, we expected better. I think in the regular season, we overachieved a little bit and it feels like in the playoffs, we or this play-in series, we underachieved. Our next question is from Jim Matheson, Post Media. Uh, Dave, uh, you know, Connor and Leon and Nugent Hopkins, as usual, did their offensive stuff. Uh, Kyler Yamamoto really struggled. Is that your observation as well? He looked like a player trying to do stuff, but not much was happening. Yeah, he competed hard. I mean, he, he plays hard, but not much happened was on the scoreboard for him. So it, uh, you know, he's a young player and his first playoffs, you know, he's going to learn from this, but. He uh, he gave us such a boost in the regular season at the end of the regular season there that uh, you know we put a lot of faith in him. He came in and and he tries hard. He competed hard, but didn't have much luck on the scoreboard. Our next question comes from Rob Tichkowski, Post Media. Hi, Dave. You talk about maybe underachieving in the playoffs. Can, how do you explain that? You know, with the stage that they're on and everything that was at stake, that they go out not having played their best hockey. Well, I think at times we played all right and other times we didn't play all right. You know, we needed some saves at some times. We needed to, to make a few less mistakes. And when you do make mistakes, you, uh, it would be nice to get them, uh, get a couple extra stops there. And, you know, you look at the uh, game three, we, it's a pretty even game. We get up, and but we make a couple mistakes in the third period and goes in the back of the net. Tonight, another one, we... Uh, you know, I felt like we were we were carrying the momentum in the third period, and we uh, we got beat on a battle and and uh, gave up a short side goal. So, I mean, that's the way that uh, it went for us. There's times when I thought we were uh, we were doing a lot of good things, and then other times we'd take a step back. And I guess that's just the growth of our team. Our next question is from Daniel Nugent Bowman, the Athletic. Dave, uh, more than a year ago, you took over a team that was obviously at the, the end of the, uh, the standings, a very struggling team, made a lot of strides this year, finished fifth in the Western Conference. But as you talked about, underachieved here. W what's the takeaway and what, what do you see from, from this group going forward here? 
Well, I think we're ahead of where we were started last at the start of training camp last year, which is a positive, but there's still lots of work to be done. We have some real good pieces on this group, but uh, to get, we, you know, we've talked about at the start of the year, we want to play real meaningful games. We thought we had a chance to be a playoff team and we tried to earn the right to do that. Now we didn't get that done in this, in this five game series. So there's a lot more work to be done, but I think we will start from ahead of where we started last year and, uh, and hopefully we can make some strides forwards. We want to be a team that can be in the upper echelon team and be consistent in that year to year. And, uh, We've obviously got some more work to do to get there. We'll now take a couple of questions from Zoom. We'll start with Jason Greger. Dave, the you know a lot of the people are wondering. You had the hottest line in the NHL for a long time uh, before the break. You went back to them late in the third period. Was there a thought before the game uh, when Ennis went down to to put them back together? And if so, why not? We had the hottest line in the league the first month of the year, too, with Connor and Dreisaitl and uh, Cassian, and we were a better team with them broken up. You you can't go in and just feel like you're lining up on one line or you're going to win a series with one line. That's not the way it works. You need balance throughout your lineup, and we need that to become a, a an elite team, not just a, a, a team that can get on a hot streak and win. We want to win for a long time, and... I believe when you have pairs on lines that uh, that you can get going. Uh, Connor and Nuge have played together. They played very well together in the end of the year. Uh, you know, when the line of Nuge and Dreisaitl and, and uh, Yamamoto was going, Connor had missed a bunch of games there, so we relied on those guys heavy. They were getting big minutes in all situations. So it's, uh, it's too easy just to say, oh, that one line scored a lot. We want to be a good team. You can't be a one-line team and expect to, expect to win on a consistent basis. And we're trying to balance our team to win long-term, not, not to have one line go out there and feel like that they, they're getting everything done. You're not going to win like that. And our last question comes from Ryan Rashad. Dave, Darnell, Darnell mentioned that he felt the most intensity you guys were able to harness in this process actually came in your exhibition game against Calgary. The, you know, the emotion that, that I think people thought might be there. Uh, why do you think your group wasn't able to, to harness more of that during this playoff series? I know it's, you know, it wasn't the most intense in terms of pushing and shoving and rough stuff, but, why do you think that wasn't there, given everything that's on the line in the in the series? What kind of emotion is he talking about? Is he talking about fighting emotion or pushing emotion, or what what kind of emotion is he talking about? Uh, well, he was asked just about you know the ability to 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 find enough emotion and, and enough um, intensity uh, to win a playoff series, and he felt that that the team didn't bring enough, and that they showed more in the exhibition game against Calgary. So I'm not sure if you were agree or disagree with that but maybe you I would, can I would comment disagree. on what you I saw dis- I would disagree with that I would disagree I thought we were a little shell shock coming out in game one and got behind we didn't look like a good team we chased the game we had we had uh what was it three guys playing their first first playoff game playoff style game I thought we were uh I thought we were tentative shell shock when we got behind second game I thought we were very good right throughout our lineup uh, third game was a real even game. 
And the fourth game tonight, if you look at the back half of that game, I thought we dominated the game, but we didn't win the game. So that's, uh, that's the way that goes. We, we came into the playoffs, probably the one place that we couldn't, uh, couldn't sustain an, uh, an injury was on our right defense. And at one point tonight, when Bear went down, you you know we traded for Green, uh, Larson's out, Bear's out. I mean, that's the one one area we really uh, felt like we we needed to be solid in. We lost lost Larson, which is a big minute guy. And injuries are never excuse. You have other people that can can play in it, but there's certain areas where you just kind of solidify your game. And we uh, you know the before tonight, the last two two games, games two and game three, we gave under under 10 chances against even strength each night, which is, uh, we, we weren't giving up much, but we uh, were making some critical mistakes and not getting a save at the right time. And that's what cost you. You got to find ways to win games, not find ways to lose games. And we didn't, I don't think it was an emotion thing. There's, there's it's a different feeling because of the situation with no fans, but you you know you got to bring your emotion if you don't if you don't think you brought emotion then you're probably not playing at the right time right and but i think our team i think our team competed hard i think we we've got lots to try i think we got a lot of growing to do because what we think is competing hard isn't hard enough to win in the playoffs yet thank you coach that's Dave Tippett, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, live on 6.30. Chad, Oilers lose 3-2 in game four. They lose the series three games to one. Well, Rob, a couple key points for me there from Tippett, and he went back to it uh, three or four times. They needed to make a few less mistakes and get a couple of extra saves, and, and I think that's a great way to sum it up. Little details, and uh, I, I'm not suggesting that the this was a goaltending that lost the series for the Oilers either, but... You know, somewhere you needed an extra stop or two like Crawford gave the Hawks tonight. So mistakes, a couple extra saves. Well, I think most nights that's what the story in the game is. The team makes fewer mistakes, and the team that gets the bigger saves is the team that's going to win. Uh, the Oilers did not get a, a big save through the first three games. They, I, I, I can't recall one. Well, I tonight, thought Koskinen was good in game two. He was okay, but he didn't get a big save. He wasn't really tested a whole lot. They never got a save when he needed. I thought tonight Koskinen gave them a couple big saves when they need it. And, the, you know, the shorthanded breakaway was a huge save at that point. That could have extended the, the Hawks' lead to 3-1. So they got the same the save tonight, but it was the mistakes. They just made more mistakes. And at the end of the night, Corey Crawford made more big saves. Uh, he made – they showed replays on a couple of the saves he made. Like, there were some that you, you had no idea if he could even see the puck and somehow he's reaching out. And then the, the desperation. There was uh, two plays tonight, I think, that – the Oilers had wide open nets that uh, the Blackhawks just didn't quit on and got their stick in the way to be able to block the puck from going in the net. I know that Keith did one late in the hockey game. So it was, uh, I think Dave Tippett was, was dead on the, the, the Blackhawks over the course of the four games got more big saves and made fewer mistakes. And that's the reason they're moving on. And unfortunately the reason that the Edmonton Oilers aren't. I also thought, Rob, that you, you talk about all the time. You call it the house, the slot, the high danger area is what a lot of the analytics guys call it. I thought as a whole, in both ends of the rinks, the Blackhawks were better 
in that area. They they got the tip-in goals. They created more screens. And in the other end of the rink, I, I don't know if the Hawks defended it better or the Oilers simply didn't push hard enough offensively to get in there. But I thought that area of the ice, you know, the, the area where 90-whatever percent of the goals are scored from, I thought for the balance of the series, the Hawks owned that offensively and defensively. Oh, I agree. I think that in game two, the Oilers did a very good job of defending the house. Very. That's that's the night that they had uh, two or three times the number of block shots than than the Blackhawks did. The rest of the series, just think about all the different goals that the Blackhawks scored, where they had guys by themselves in front of the net, guys that. I mean, even the game-winning goal tonight, Kublik, he, he's standing there, a one-timer from 15 feet out, if, if that, 10 feet out, and unimpeded. Uh, the Oilers, uh, I mean, Bear got lost the battle to Taves. Drysaddle has to come down, but if you looked in the other end, the Blackhawks always had four or five guys in that area, so that if someone did get bumped off the ice, well, now they're going to have to go through our sticks, our feet, our bodies. But the Oilers were too spread out, and too many times the Blackhawks had free access to go towards the net. And yes, I think that the Blackhawks uh, understood what they needed to do in this series to win and took it to task a little bit better than the Edmonton Oilers did. Yeah, and I mean, the Oilers, they scored early today, 45 seconds in. You like that, but the goals early in games and goals in bunches were a big part of this series as well, Rob. And the Hawks came back with two goals in 240 to go up 2-1. Now, granted, Edmonton tied it, and it's tied for a large portion of the game until Kubalik scored. But even even that sequence, right, with the one face-off, Clefbaum can't get it out. They don't cover. Saad gets it. Koskinen can't get across in time. And then you mentioned the Highmore goal. I mean, even if only one of those goes in, it's 1-1, and then maybe you're leading 2-1 going to the third instead of in a, in a tie situation. So just little things, right, where you look back on and as as the losing side, you say, well, what if, what if, what if? Well, just a couple soft plays that uh, you can't have in a playoff game, especially in a close playoff game. I mean, the Blackhawks, I know where they were in the standings. I know what their, their their ranking was coming into the playoffs, but they were a solid team over the last two-thirds of the season. And they have guys that know how to win hockey games. So this was going to be closer than many people expected. So it's going to be some close one-goal games. And in a one-goal game, you can't give up the easy opportunity. You can't um, make a mistake out of nothing. And the, the one goal, the Oilers win the faceoff. Drysettle wins the faceoff. Clefbaum has the puck on his stick. Nobody on him, not under pressure at all, and makes a soft play up the wall where there was no winger and turns into a, a goal right after that in their own net. Um, Nurse tries a one-hand pass, push the puck behind the net. It, it takes a weird bounce and bounces out in front, eventually ends up in the back of their net. Uh, Ethan Bear has control of the puck. He's in a battle with, with Jonathan Taves. And all of a sudden, Jonathan Taves is passing the puck out in front to a wide-open Kubelik. Those are things you can't have happen and expect to win hockey games. Now, on the other hand, Chicago made mistakes, and the Oilers had a ton of great chances down the end. But at that point, the Oilers were chasing. And when you're chasing, sometimes your hands are a little tighter around the stick because you know the importance of having to get that next goal. And the Blackhawks were able to hang on. So, yeah, the Oilers made some mistakes that, unfortunately, they were not able to overcome. Hawks win the game 3-2. They win the series three games to one. The Oilers are eliminated, and it looks like uh, another goal here for the Columbus Blue Jackets. So uh, they're up 3-0 late in the third. So, uh, man, it looks like the Leafs are going to be out, and if the Canucks beat the Wild, then 
uh, the qualifying round is done. There will just be round robin games on the weekend. It, possibility that no series is going to go five. Uh, we got a full board of calls. We will get to to everybody seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. But we should touch on. You heard Tip asked about it, was asked about it. I was saying, put Drysaddle, Yamamoto, and Nugent Hopkins back together. He explained why he didn't do that, which I understand, Rob. Uh, far be it from me to question Dave Tippett, but I am going to do it tonight. And then I guess when you lose the series, that's what happens when you're the coach. I still would have put them back together and said, go out and get it, boys, and then see what McDavid could have done with other line mates. Well, yes. I, I said right from the beginning I would have had them before game one. And the the only thing that I would say about his logic, he says you can't be one-line hockey team. And I agree, but you aren't going to be one-line hockey team if those three are together because you're going to have Connor McDavid on your other line. So that's why I would have put them together because Connor is able to create and make other players better and Connor's able to create and do it himself. So I, I, I think that if you if you go back through the series and just look at the highlights of the times that Leon moves the puck to someone in a scoring opportunity and how many of those are capitalized on and how many of the aren't capitalized on, there were a number of chances that Leon set up that weren't able, the Oilers didn't score on. And I mean, double A tonight, how many chances did he have? I believe that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a better hockey player than Double A, and I think he's proven it. That if he's playing there with Leon Drysettle, they would have scored more often. He would have capitalized on the chances. And Leon Drysettle is a guy that scored 50 last year. He would have scored 50 or been close to it this year had the season gone. If he has Ryan Nugent Hopkins playing with him, he has someone to create for him. Double A, he's got a ton of speed, and I thought he played much better in the last two games, but he doesn't create plays. He's not a playmaker, and that took the goal-scoring ability of Leon Drysettle away from him because Leon went a couple games without shots because nobody was able to create for him. That's why I would have had RNH playing with Leon Drysettle. That's our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. All right, Daryl, you called in right after the game. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Yeah, hey. First thing I want to say is I just want to thank Rob and, and Jack and, and Re- you, Reed, and Bob. You guys are great. You're the best in the business. I love listening to you guys. And uh, I've been listening to you guys all year, and you guys did a great job. And it's unfortunate that it's over so quick. But uh, my question, it's already been touched on. Why not put um, uh, Hopkins with dry saddle right away? And then furthermore, my question is, in the last 10 minutes when you're down, why not put the dynamic duel back together? you got the best two players in the league. Let's put them together and let's, let's finish things, this thing off. And in the last two minutes when uh, um, 97 sitting on the bench dying to get on, you you got to put him on. I, I can't believe he wasn't playing the last two minutes. But thanks, thanks guys. I love, I love listening to you. Yeah, thanks, Daryl. Well, the last two minutes were were messed up because they took a penalty and they didn't wind up having the players they wanted on the ice during that span, Rob. I mean, they took the too many men and then they couldn't get the puck back and then guys went off and... Yeah, I mean, maybe you just put, I don't know, do you put three forwards out in your own end, even though you're shorthanded? I don't i don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I probably would have. I would have put uh, my three best offensive players. I would have McDavid, Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins out there, and I would have put one defenseman, uh, probably Nurse, someone to activate. Now, that's one train of thought. The other is 
they you don't want them running around getting tired and then by the time you get the goalie pulled if when you finally get the puck they're too tired to get out there uh it's a it's a weird situation i don't know if you remember years ago reed the blackhawks in nashville were playing in the playoffs same thing happened chicago's down a goal nashville's on the power play and martin erat played it stupid by trying to make a pass out in front of the net it gets picked off and chicago ended up going down the ice, pulling the goalie and scoring shorthanded. The Blackhawks obviously learned from that as they just kept the puck to the outside for as long as they possibly could. And the Oilers were never able to get the players they wanted on the ice. They were never able to get Koskinen out early. Here's one for you. I don't know. What do you think? What about pulling your goalie right out at the beginning? Putting all five players out, having no goalie with a face-off in your end. I probably I don't think I would go that far. I think you got to get the uh, puck. But why? Why? I mean, that gives you now you got five guys out there. It, it puts pressure on your centerman, but at least now you've got the guys on the ice because they never. When did Koskinen get out? How many? About what, fifty. Stay about fifty seconds. They finally yeah. got it. Yeah. So I don't know. I'd be go go for it at that point and just hope you win the draw. And I mean, it's worth it because you got the Blackhawks could have wasted the entire two minutes. They well, eventually they, I, I looked the like puck. they were going to for a second. Yeah, yeah. I know. And, and, and that's a tough position because that is something that I played pro hockey for 16 years. Never did I ever practice anything like that where you are shorthanded and needing a goal. So what do you do on the ice? Like they're just guessing. They have no idea what they're supposed to do. They're just hoping that the Blackhawks would bobble the puck and then they'd be able to attack. But it just a weird situation. I still don't understand how who jumped and why they jumped or what happened with Koskinen yeah. because they showed the replay. Koskinen never really got to the bench. I, I figure that they must have ruled, and I'm just I'm just kind of speculating here because as the as Jack and Bob said, they, he never touched the puck. But if they deem that a player was somehow participating in the play, then they can call you for too many men. So no, if that player I, came on early and maybe bumped a Blackhawk, I, I don't know. But I, I, but I, I never. When did the player jump on? Because they, the, the replay I saw, they showed Koskin come and he. Oh he my God! The got Leafs the... have made it three-two. By the way, still three minutes oh. left. They've scored two quick goals. Sorry, Rob. No, but Koskinen came almost to the bench, but he never came to the bench. When did the player jump on? That's I've never seen that on the replay. They never showed where they had six guys out there. Yeah, it was it was it was tough for me to tell for sure. Yeah, Kim on line four. Go ahead, Kim. Hey, Robin Reed. Um, <clears throat> first time calling in, but. Um, Guys have already touched on this. It's basically about the line combinations again. Um, I think uh, Leon, um, Nuge, and, and Yamamoto should have stayed together and then uh, bring Cassian up uh, with McDavid and then putting somebody else on that line. Um, I think that was uh, kind of disappointing to see that didn't uh, happen more throughout the series as the old lines going um, like the regular season. And one more question. What do you guys both predict um, coming up? For the um, trade or for the free agency and stuff, whenever that might start, what moves do you think we might do and not do? And that's all. I'll let you guys take it from there. Yeah, that's a good question, Kim. I haven't thought too much about that. I, I think they. I mean, look, I think they're still going to be in a market for a goaltender. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Mike Smith? And I don't think Koskinen is. Well, he isn't a bona fide number one sixty game guy in the NHL. So I wonder if they'll look around there. Well, yeah, and you wonder if, yeah, if Mike Smith wants to come back. I mean, maybe he wants to go somewhere where he has a chance to be the number one guy the whole year. Uh, it uh, again, and then I, I don't know if we can do a whole lot of guessing on that until 
I mean, do we know what the exact salary cap is? Do we know what the exact, how well, they're going to play it? And, and I know people, yes, we do know the cap's just staying flat. But, I mean, I know people are, are maybe tired of this, but the Oilers could win the draft lottery. Yep. <laughs> I mean, how does that change things if you get Lafreniere again? Or not again, but you get another number one pick. They got they now have a one in eight chance along with Winnipeg, Pittsburgh, Florida, all Rangers, all the teams that are out. Well, no, what's neat about all of that too, if the Leafs do lose tonight, that a Canadian team has a three and eighth chance, almost a fifty percent chance of getting the number one pick overall. And and if Vancouver doesn't finish off Minnesota, they... it could be fifty percent right on the nose. <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing. I mean, Crosby's out, McDavid's out, Drysaddle's out, uh, Matthews could be out. Uh, Columbus just missed an open net. This is getting dramatic here. It looked like it was done, and Toronto scored two goals with the goalie pulled and still a couple minutes to go there. Uh, we're going to get, uh, before we break for the news, we're going to get uh, JP on for the last time this season. JP, go ahead. Oh, uh, what a shame. I can't believe. First off, uh, hello, Reed. Hello, hello, how are you? Good. Very good. Good. I hope. I'm. I feel like uh, you know what, dog. You know what, but uh, you know what. I have to. I have to say this right now. All the line combination talk about Tippett. He goes. Oh, I want one line. I want one line. Oh, I can't have one line. Well, if one line is working, if one line is rocking and rolling, and the other line is going to be led by Comair, why not give it a go? I mean, why are we? Uh, why are we? attempting problems with this right out the gate, but all right, forget it, no problem, let's move on. The problem with me, there was no passion. No passion. Handlebars, a.k.a. Cassian, I love this guy, but he completely let me down. This guy had a flooded uh, motorbike on the side of the uh, end day, and no one was willing to help, not even a tow truck. This guy was useless during everything and I, I needed uh, the shark events you know and he went up a couture and hammered him all this we needed one of this but not one bit of spark like his motorbike he's riding handlebars just riding a spark plug that's wet yeah. it was a waste of time but I'll get down to brass tacks quick here right, I know I was just calm down go off. now you know how to really piss me off when I'm on the phone whatever I got the abs going as well so I don't care but anyway I'll tell you this spoiler always were want to talk about our no experience no experience well where did chicago's experience start overnight was it handed down was it given from the gods it started with the one cup and that started one cup at a time oilers quit leaning on this wake up put in a little bit more effort tonight too many floaters wake up you guys wake up See you, JP. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, we got to do quickly do the news and weather. Wow, the Leafs, three goals in about the last four minutes here to tie it. That's an incredible series. We'll keep you updated. More time for your calls. The Oilers are done, folks. Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. He still can't get off the schneid. Doesn't have his first postseason goal. Bull. really struggling. He has played well. Kane won a battle. Out the team. Shot. Glove save. Koskinen. Miko Koskinen save the game for Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian. Store Canadian. Head to sentinel.ca. But the goaltending story tonight, Corey Crawford, 43 saves, including 20 in the third period. The Hawks win the game 3-2. They win the series three games to one. Archibald, Saad, and Highmore in the first period. Nugent Hopkins in the second period. Kubalik 
the series winner in the third period. Oilers 0 for 5 on the power play. They did get a goal two seconds after a power play expired, but they had chances and couldn't capitalize. The Hawks go 0 for 2 with the man advantage. Checking the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer, looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. The Leafs down 3-0, score at 1603, 1654, and 19-37 to force overtime with Columbus. It's 3-3. Canucks and Wild will start in about 10 minutes. Islanders beat the Panthers 5-1 to win the series. Coyotes in overtime, 4-3 over the Predators to win the series, and the Canadians stun the Penguins again, 2-0. Montreal wins that series. Uh, yeah, I mean, what a what a shocker. I mean, Columbus came back from 3 nothing down yesterday, Rob, but not in the final four minutes. Leafs staying yeah. alive here. Well, I mean, one of those things where you're sitting in the dressing right now, if you're Columbus, you're like, okay, what's, what went wrong? We, and they we missed were moving. two empty nets to win, to put it away. Yeah, you're, you're thinking, we, we, we're, we're going on to the next round. Now you're sitting down between periods, and you're like, how did we get here? And it, that's tough to come back from. Really, really tough to come back from. Well, that's It'll similar be to what Anaheim, that, that's almost exactly the same what Anaheim did to the Oilers, the, the time span that it's happened in, right? That was in the final four minutes, Edmonton and Anaheim, game five. Yeah, you're right. It, it's it's amazing. And it's why you, you got to play to the final buzzer because you just never know. I mean, that, their series, Toronto come back, could come back and win the series in one that they should have been done in. So it'll be interesting to see how the, if Columbus is able to uh, respond and put forth a good effort to start overtime, or if they come back just absolutely um, down in the dumps and trying to figure out, you know, we blew this, that was our chance, and now it's over. All right, we got Carson at 780-496-0063. Go ahead, Carson. Hey, guys, what a heartbreaker. You know, it's getting getting uh, yeah, tough watching the games or whatever. The biggest thing, uh, there are a couple of points here, guys. I know you're lit up like a Christmas tree. Uh, one, Dave Tippett. You know, I watched a guy in Arizona lots. Uh, hell of a coach. I'm glad we got him. But, you know, I think he's uh, I think he's a little defensive. I don't think uh, that whole one-line comment. Like, you know, you, you, got some, you got some lineups that work throughout the season. Uh, you know, I think he really needs to look at that again. I think that was a bad call. Um, some of our players... Uh, you know, like Kahara, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm done with him. Uh, Nurse and Clefbaum, you know, they really could have stepped up. Bear, you know, tough couple, uh, couple of breaks there. He'll get her back. But uh, you know, like, <clears throat> it's just, it's, it's absolutely frustrating, uh, especially with Cassie. And the guy was an absolute ghost. Uh, our goalies, you know, I've been hard on the goalies, the goalie coach. I didn't, I don't like this go down on your knees all the time. I figured the goalies actually had a good year this year, uh, you know. It's uh, it's tough watching. I sure the heck hope we can play with fans, but you guys did a hell of a job. Hats off to you. I'll tune in and uh, have a good night. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Carson. Uh, I mean, you mentioned a, a few players there. Obviously, the series doesn't fall on any one player, but, you know, Cassian didn't make an impact. Uh, Kara's been... I would say a relatively frustrating player for a couple of years, Rob. Um, Clefbaum, to me, definitely didn't play to his potential. And, you know, that's... I mean, it's one thing maybe if you're a depth guy and and maybe you don't quite know what to expect. And, and again, I'm not blaming this on any one guy, but Clefbaum didn't... He, he didn't seem like his normal self to me most of the time. 
I agree. And you're talking about a guy that's going to play 24, 25 minutes. Uh, big minutes, play power play, penalty kill, play against the other team's best players. If that player's not on his game, it, it affects your game. Um, it, it, it's just a weird... I, I, I've never been involved with anything like this where you're gone for four months and have to come back certain players were able to adapt quicker quicker than others certain teams were able to adapt quicker than others and obviously Clefbaum did not play in this playoff round like we saw during the regular season he's one of the players that it coming back he and and Larson neither of them were at the uh type of level that they needed to be at the, the level that they were at when this all ended so I I don't know how much you put into this because it was such a weird experience but yeah if, if your best players and Clefbaum would be their number one defenseman and if your number one defenseman doesn't play up to his potential it puts a lot of pressure on a lot of other players and they weren't able to get it done uh, Bear came back after getting drilled by DeBrincat. Unfortunately, Bear lost that puck battle to Taves that uh, that led to the winning goal but Bear really got popped there DeBrincat got a five minute major for that boarding hit yeah it was the, it was the right call I I'm surprised, as you and I talked about, that he wasn't thrown out of the game. Uh, good on Bear coming back. And the fact that he lost the battle to Taves, that's not the the first time Taves has won a big battle in a big situation. But it's a, a learning experience for Ethan Bear. He, to me, of all, everything that happened with the Edmonton Oilers this year, I think he is the biggest surprise and the most pleasant surprise for where he came from in training camp to where he was at the end of the season. He was exceptional. Uh but now he's also learned like it's another step up in playoff hockey. It's another step up going against the other team's best players, which he started doing near the end of the season and in the playoffs here. Uh, I think he's going to come back uh, better next year from the experience this year. Uh, he's got all the makings to be a very, very good defenseman in this league. He is so smart with the puck. He makes good decisions. And the Oilers, well, when they, when they were missing him for a little bit, they weren't the same team. When he came back, you started to see them pushing uh, the pace a little bit more because he has the capability from the back end. Hawks win it 3-2. Oilers are done for the season. We have Mike. Hey, Mike, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. Hey. Um, I, I'm just, I, I got a question, like the whole game plan of this whole series, because to me it seemed like we had an obvious size advantage and uh, never really used it. Like we never, I don't know if it was Todd not to chip pucks in or whatever, but we never really took it to the Chicago defense, never really had to make them work hard. And it just seemed like, you know, we should have took advantage of, of the size that we have on this team and made them pay a price, and we just never did it. Yeah, no, you're right. That. Yep. Yeah, you're right. The, 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 they did it in game two when they were by far the more physical team, and they dominated that game. And they did it in the last probably 35 minutes of today's game. And when they started chipping pucks in and getting it down low, uh, it was just turnover after turnover by the Chicago defensemen because they weren't uh, able to withstand the physicality. They weren't able to withstand the speed that the, the Oilers started throwing at them. But they didn't. the Oilers did not play with that type of physicality and desperation throughout the entire series. And that's why they're, they're going home. If they played with that the way they did in the last 40 minutes, it would have been a different series, but they didn't. So hats off to Chicago, but I agree. There were times in this series where the Edmonton Oilers got away from the parts of the game that would have made them more successful. Yeah, 842, Oilers fall 3-2. More, plenty of time for more of your calls, but we do want to go back to Rogers' place. Here's Leon Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse. We'll start with Ryan Rashog, TSN. Uh, Leon, just wondering, you know, when you think about your team's high-end game this year, 
and when you guys were playing at your absolute best, what you looked like. And if you feel you were able to get even close to that in this playoff series, and I'm not sure what your answer is, but maybe maybe if not, you know, why you weren't able to spend more time in that zone. Yeah, I mean, I, again, it's, it's little mistakes that we, we had way too many of. And, you know, that's, I think, throughout the lineup. Uh, you know, obviously starts starts with our line as well. Um, just too many little mistakes that, you know, just can't happen this, this time of the year. And, you know, we never really got our, our A game going. Um, and then, you know, without that, it's this league's too good to, to beat anyone. So um, that's obviously very frustrating. And we'll take one more question from Jason Greger. Both Arnell and, and Leon, you, you guys seem that this season when you were playing your best, your intensity was quite high. This, you know, this series didn't have a lot of physicality in it. There was barely any scrums if you compare it to the other ones. Um, do you feel that there, you know, you guys lack the emotion that you bring that when you're successful, and if so, why? Oh uh, yeah, I think a big focus of ours was to to bring that type of intensity and we didn't you know the most intensity we had was in the exhibition game we played calgary um so i mean as a as a guy myself i i gotta find ways to maybe bring out more of that help other guys bring it out like we it shouldn't matter who you're playing against at this time of the year because we had the opportunity to play first Stanley cup and um yeah we, we definitely lacked that but at the same time like you know it's disappointing for everybody all right, well, that's, that's an odd comment from Nurse, and Tippett was asked about it, that Nurse felt they had their most intensity in the exhibition game against Calgary, which is which is fine, but it is kind of curious that that would be, that they, that they just wouldn't have it for the games that actually count. Now, Tippett said he didn't exactly see it that way, and he questioned, he didn't hear Nurse's comment when he was uh, asked about it, but that, that's a weird one to me, Rob. Well, I agree. Um... I don't even know how to comment, and I believe that Tippett was right with what he said, and and I mean, I, I think sometimes when players are interviewed after hockey games, sometimes they say things that just pop into their mind, and sometimes it's things they wish they hadn't said when they've said it. All right, the Oilers lose 3-2 to the Blackhawks. The season is done. We have more post-game reaction, more reaction from you. 780-496-0063, Overtime Open Line, presented by Century Casino. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Blackhawks eliminate the Oilers in four games. Corey Crawford, the star tonight, 43 saves as the Blackhawks hold off the Oilers 3-2. Uh, do not know who the Blackhawks will play in the next round, well, they're going to be—they're uh, going to be the lowest seed, so they'll play whoever finishes first in Agreed, the round. Play, I think they'll play the the loser of the St. Louis Dallas game. They play Sunday, and whoever loses that game will be fourth. And no, no, the Hawks. Oh are, no, the sorry, Hawks they play the first. Seed. They'll play the winner. They'll oh yeah, play the, right. They'll play the winner of the two two and O teams. That would be Vegas, Vegas and the Colorado. That's right. So, yeah, sorry about right, that. I, I have to play the been, winner of that game. I had to think because I, I honestly have not paid too much attention to the to the round robin games. Uh, the Oilers are done, everybody. We really appreciate you uh, tuning in. I, I know it's uh, it's been frustrating being a, being a fan of the Oilers for a long time, and there was certainly some uh, some bright spots this season, and uh, it kind of got derailed, obviously, with the pandemic, and they just cannot figure out how to do it here against the Blackhawks. So we're happy to talk to you tonight, and we have Dean online too. Go ahead, Dean. Hi, Dean. 
Okay, maybe we don't have Dean, so we'll try Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Hi there, how you doing? Good. Okay, my question is kind of based on something from the 1980s, because I'm a little bit older right now. Does the NHL conduct drug testing? And I'm kind of going with regard to the goalies, because there's a very obvious example from the 1980s. Of course, I'm not going to name. It's called Goalie Awesome Powder. All right. Well, I, I, I don't know what what that uh, what that connects to with with this series, but uh, uh, anyway, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Greg on line six. Go ahead, Greg. Greg, are you there? Hey, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so I got a couple things. I don't know why or how Tippett didn't make the adjustments that he should have made um, throughout the series. Chicago had two whole plays. They would cycle the puck down low, get it to their blue line, and take a shot on net and try to deflect the puck. That's one play. The other play is cycle down low, guy gets lost in the shuffle, and he's wide open in front every single time. That happened from game one, game two, game three, and game four, and they didn't adjust to it. The other thing that that I'm upset about is why was the Nugent Hopkins dry sidle and Yamamoto line not put together at the start of this game. As soon as they were put together at the start of this game, or, or, or with like five minutes left in the third period, sorry, they dominated that game. They took it over. Yes, I know the stats of, of Nuge and McDavid together for the first two games, but regardless, at the end of the season before, the, before COVID, that line was the best line in hockey. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I hear you, Greg. Ahead, we we talked about it. Uh, I know that I think it was Ryan Rashad asked Dave Tippett, and he said that they didn't want to do it. They they felt that it was better with them broken up. And uh, I mean, it, it's been asked. So there's, I know a lot of people. We and I agree. I think I would have put them together, but Dave Tippett and the coaching staff didn't see it that way. Yeah, and as for the defensive stuff, I, I, I would think Tippett and the coaching staff would have stressed the coverage and some of those things. I mean, I don't think there's there. If, if Rob and I, and all of you are noticing that Chicago players are open in front of the net, I'm pretty sure an NHL coaching staff would notice. <laughs> so I, I think there's, I think there's execution and then there's coaching decisions and the line come. Now it's easy to, when you lose, you can always criticize the lines. And I think maybe sometimes Rob, we do it too much, but I, I do think it's relevant given that that line wasn't together and like i said before the game and i i stand by this th- to me this is like having uh a, a cy young caliber pitcher rested for an elimination game and you saying no it's another guy's scheduled start so i'm not going to start th- i'm not going to start the cy young guy i, I think you i really believe Tippett should have started this game with that line together i i agree and i and I, once again i said i would have started game one with them well um, true you never would have broken them up no, and i, I no, was hesitant about it as well yeah, no. I, to me, that that's that was your best line, and you have Con- so you have the best line in hockey, and then you have Connor McDavid. So to me, that's uh, that there was no, it was a no-brainer for me. Um, but I just sit in a press box, and I'm not behind the bench. But for me, it, it was a no-brainer, and I was shocked that it took to five minutes to go in Game Four for it to happen. All right, we also have Kelly on the line. Oh, sorry. There we go. Go ahead, Kelly. Hey, Kelly. All right, maybe we don't have Kelly. Let's try Jamie. Jamie, you're on with Reed and Rob. Go ahead. Hey, guys. I think you kind of stole my thunder. I'm 
I'm very also frustrated with our tips decisions. I feel uh, I'm a tippet fan. I'm very happy with the job he's done. But uh, I think he got out coached this series. Um, and I completely agree. I don't see his logic behind, uh, uh, you know, when, when your chips are down and you have to must win and you're telling me about playing pairs and stuff, come on, give me a break. He should have started that line. I agree with Rob. He should have started the Nuge with his line from the game one. The, Neil is a proven playoff player. Yeah, he was rested. He was fit. He was ready to go. He should have been with Connor from game one. Uh, I think he kind of hurt Cassian's game by pretty much benching him after the game one. Cassie's not the type of player that, that sits on the bench and can watch. The guy's a whore. Uh, the guy's a horse. He's a bull. He needs to be going. And he never adjusted to the point shots. The, the, our players weren't getting in front of the point shots. Uh, I don't, I'm not a fan of him starting Smith the first game. Uh, anyway, all that said, I just I'm very I, I'm, I've been a fan, but I wasn't. I don't think Tip made a lot of wrong decisions this uh, this series. I know 2020 has been crazy, but uh, yeah, I just I. I you know, and then let's not forget we have two rookie defensemen playing out there, Jones and Bearsy, which, you know, but another thing that I think, you know, we don't, I don't, I don't believe we have a number, a, a top pairing defensive pair yet. Uh, I think Nurse, I think uh, Oscar and uh, Larson are both probably second, uh, second pairing D-men. And uh, I don't know, what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, well, I, I think Clefbaum's a, a pretty good defenseman, but maybe he doesn't have the the complimentary type of guy that is ideal for that situation. I, I think, and I mean, it, it, you do evaluate younger players differently. I, I thought Jones and Bear, you know, gave everything they had. I know Bear had some some tough moments and unfortunately was involved in the last two game winning goals against. But I, I think there was a pretty positive season for him overall. I don't think the Oilers uh, lost this series on on those two guys, Rob. No, I agree. I thought Bear was was good. I, I, he has a chance to be a, a very good top four defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers, and I, I think he learned a lot throughout this you know four game series. That's going to make him a better player. I think Jones stepping in, it's tough stepping in into a playoff game and then all of a sudden someone else gets hurt bear goes down now you got to play more i thought he was fine as for starting smith in the first game i probably would have went with koskinen in the first game but having said that koskinen did lose three games or two games in the series so what if he would have started koskinen game one does it extend the series i don't know koskinen lost two as well so uh i think Tippett is a very good coach I think that whenever a team loses and every team except one at the end of the playoffs has lost out, so it's easy to question what they did right and what they did wrong. Um, but but uh, it's just too bad that the way the season ended for the Edmonton Oilers will probably cloud over some of the great things that happened for this franchise this year. Uh, this texture says, Outcoached, the players executed about seven or eight good periods of the 12 they played. That eight coaching, three-quarters of the goals were scored by the undefended man in the slot or immediately in front of the net. Yeah, I agree with that. And I don't think the Oilers, um, you know, lack of detail, I don't think that was coaching. But I do think you can question the, the line combinations and the reluctance to go to it. And I do think you can question the goalie deployment especially in game one that is that is those are to that texture i will say those two things are direct coaching decisions you know zach cassian not throwing hits things like that i i don't think that's necessarily a tippet but i do think some of the coaching decisions can be questions rob we're going to take a quick time out here for the nine o'clock news and weather we got a full board of calls we'll get to as many people as we can of course we'll stay with you as long as we can century casino overtime open line 
Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Then Chicago grabbed a 2-1 lead only to see Edmonton tie it on a goal by Ryan Nugent Hopkins early in the second. Now a centering pass. What timer score? And it's roofed upstairs. Taves won a battle from Ethan Bear and Kubalik finished. All right, that was the deciding goal tonight. Came with 11 and a half minutes to go in the third period. Oilers were playing well, but Taves got it to Kubelik, blasted it over Koskinen's right shoulder, and the Oilers pushed but could not tie it, and they are done for the season. A three-games-to-one victory for the Chicago Blackhawks. 7.47 left in overtime in Toronto. The first overtime, Blue Jackets and Leafs tied 3-3. Leafs got three goals in the last four minutes to tie that game. Uh, Chuck says, uh, hi, guys. I don't think we can discount the penalty problems the Oilers had in a couple of games that caused line problems. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, you look back at all those little moments, Rob, right? I mean, it's like Todd McClellan used to say, you never know which shift might decide the game when you look back on it. And, uh, I mean, the Oilers were shorthanded three consecutive times in the second period of game two, and them killing those penalties off was a big reason they won. And then parading to the box in in game three at the end of the day and I know they allowed two goals in the last six minutes but that took them out of the flow in the second period when maybe they could have scored some goals to to, to get a lead so I think that's a fair point by Chuck another little detail that uh, the Oilers didn't take care of well enough the Leafs are going to get a power play here by the way they uh, have got the goalie out for an extra attacker and uh, we'll see if they can win this game and force a fifth game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. That has turned into uh, quite an interesting contest. Looked like the Blue Jackets were going to cruise to the victory. Stoney on line five. Go ahead. Stoney, go ahead. Yeah, hello there. Yeah. Uh, um, I just got to say, um, I think uh, for a number one power play, it sure didn't work very well in, the, in this series. And also, well, no, until to, I mean, it was 40% until tonight, Stoney. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. There, I, I just didn't uh, didn't work very good. They were in the penalty box too much. Um, and as well, we don't shoot enough on net. I'm sure everybody knows that. Yep. And a question. Um, for the season to end as late as it's going to, does the regular season start at the normal time? No, it'll probably start in November or maybe even December. Oh, is that right? Yes, because this season won't end until the last week of September or the first week of October. So then there'll right, be about yeah. a month and a half off season. They got to do the draft. They got to do free agency. So the next year will be pushed back, but they're going to do a full year. At least they want to. Oh, a full year. Yep. And uh, how many players do you think we're going to lose for the expansion draft? Well, oh, every team so loses one, right? But that's not one? till that's not till next summer. Seattle isn't in until next year, like till the fall of 2021. Okay. Oh, I see. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Tony. Okay, and I'm just glad. I'm just sad that it's over so so much so early because I normally watch it on TV, and then I come to the grads and listen to you guys on the radio, so I won't be hearing much from you. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you tuning in, Tony. Yeah. We wish the wish the series season could have gone longer. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. You take care. Bye. Okay. Uh, Leafs have won the game, by the way. They got a power play goal. So two dramatic comebacks in back-to-back games in this series. Was it, uh, yeah, Matthews fired it in from the off wing. So the Leafs had a 3-0 lead in uh, game three. 
lost in overtime, and then they were down 3 nothing with four minutes to go in the third period and uh, are able to come back and win. So game five. So there will be a game five. It won't be all six teams eliminated. Brian, go ahead, man. Thank you for calling. Hope you're doing okay. Hey, how are you guys doing? Well, we're doing right. I think like doing all right. Like everybody else is disappointing. I was hoping this would go on a little longer. Yeah. Well, you guys did a good job this year, first of all. Thanks. I enjoy listening to you. Um, yeah, I, you know, listening to all the callers, have to agree. I think definitely part of this is coaching. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I think Dave Tippett's going to have some sleepless nights the next while. Hopefully he learns from the talented team that we have and how to utilize them in the playoffs. Um, I have to speak about Cassian, and, and the reason being is, you know, you need a spark plug in the playoffs, and that's what that guy brought, you know, uh, two or three years ago uh, in the playoffs. When, when they needed something to happen, Cassian was out there crashing guys, and he, and everybody just fed off that. What, you know, I think he got demoted, I believe, in this series because he, he wouldn't block shots or something like that, I heard. But the last couple of minutes of the game, all of a sudden you saw Cassian. It was like, okay, where was that the last four games? But so, so maybe you can explain to me or, 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 you know, because I'm just going to make assumptions. What the heck happened to him? And was it, is it his attitude? I thought he might've been injured. Is it his attitude or whatever? Because to me, he should have been, he should have been in every game playing with McDavid, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he was up there uh, in the first game, Brian, and, and good points, and, and he didn't bring a lot, and the Oilers lost pretty bad, so that's when he got demoted. In game three, he didn't play a lot, and we talked about it, the Oilers were shorthanded a lot, and that threw out a lot of the uh, the sequence and the lines and regular ice time and all those types of things. And then tonight, yeah, he uh, you started to notice him a little bit more in the th- in the third period, but... I agree. I mean, you wanted the guy that could just fire everybody up that you saw certainly in the playoff three years ago and a lot of times through the regular season this year. I don't know if he was if he was injured. I mean, they went through training camp and everybody seemed fine. I think it's just a case he didn't play well. And when you don't play well in the playoffs and a few other Oilers players didn't play up to their potential and you hit a slump or have a bad series at the wrong time, you're done, and I think that's what that's part of what happened to Edmonton in this series. Oh Dean. shit! Hey, Dean, go ahead. Doing? Hello, Dean. Hey, sorry guys. It's okay. Uh, how's it going? I was just complaining to my girlfriend about the game, so yeah, it, it was a tough one. That's okay. Uh, Don't complain to her. Complain to me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the you know the game the game wasn't too good. Uh, I think the whole series is a little bit ugly. I think there's a lot of bad calls, and and even today we we get a five minute power play. And then Nurse gets called for a two-minute, like three, like a minute and a half in for a weird little hit on Kane that wasn't really a hit, and he embellished. And there goes, you know, two minutes of that power play. I just think that was a bit of an issue this series, just ugly play. And then Haas, I think Haas played a good game. I would have taken Cassian out earlier and put him in. I think he was actually pretty electric on that fourth line or third line or whatnot. And then the final question for you guys, just real quick, if you want to comment on the penalties. Uh... I heard Tippett say in the press conference, he's like, realistically, we see ourselves in, this is, you know, we had, a, we over, we overachieved this year. Where are we at as a team? Like, what, what, what's, what's the realistic outlook in the next five years? We just got beat by a rebuilding team. We see Canucks rebuild. They're having success. We see a lot of rebuilding teams having success. 
Uh, Toronto, Toronto won today. That hurt a lot. <laughs> so where do you guys see the? Uh, where do you guys see us in two years? Yeah, well, I, I get asked that a lot, Dean. I've been asked that the last uh, seven years when the season ended. I'll probably spend more time on that on Inside Sports this week. Look, the Oilers are, are deeper up front than they were the last couple of years. I still don't think they're skilled enough. Uh, I mean, somebody just texted in that Chicago has a better third and fourth line, young, talented, and cheap. Uh, and, and look, I, I still think goaltending is a question mark for the Oilers. And I, and I thought Smith and Koskinen overall f- for the regular season, I would give them passing grades. It was an odd situation with them splitting time. Smith is an older goaltender. Koskinen's in his 30s, but didn't have a lot of NHL experience. You know, a lot of nights they were at least as good as the guy at the other end and gave the Oilers a chance. But there's, I think the Oilers are still looking for more skill, preferably cheap skill in their depth lines, lines three and four. And they still have to be better five on five. And I think that's the same song we were singing uh, last summer. Now, if the, if the Oilers finished, what did they finish? They finished ninth in points. They finished 12th in points percentage. So they were kind of in that second tier of teams, right? So they had some strengths. They got some star players. Their special teams were historically good, if not just in the franchise, but in the National Hockey League. Um, but they weren't good enough five on five. And then I, I, at times that hurt them in this series. And then I just think they, they missed a lot of details when it came down to what happened in this, in, in this series. We got Daryl on line one. Go ahead, Daryl. Hey guys. Yeah, go ahead, Daryl. Hey, no, I just wanted to kind of be the voice of reason. I know a lot of fans, uh, it's been a lot of years of this and, you know, I'll be the first to say I've been watching for many years. I know the heartache, but, uh, I mean, just a few things. Like, I think, kind of shout out to someone that I don't think anyone else is giving a shout out to, but Shirelli drafting Ethan Bear fifth round, Caleb Jones fourth round. I think those are going to be two big players for us going forward. Um, end of the day, I think Edmonton didn't benefit from the break. Chicago did. Um, another silver lining with this: it's a pretty, pretty short off season for the guys. We still got McDavid for. Uh, another six Leon for another five so I think we're in good shape thanks Daryl appreciate it uh, I'm not sure that Chicago benefited more from the break than, than the Oilers I think both should come in the same um, I just this was a, a, a to me the series was lost read in game one in game one the Oilers I don't think they took the Blackhawks as serious as they could have or should have and it gave the Blackhawks life. And after game one, the Blackhawks believed in themselves. They were a 12 seed coming in with uh, probably no high expectations, but they won game one. Now there's belief in that dressing room, and they've got some guys that have been there before, and they started talking to the younger players. Hey, that's just game one. We can do this. Let's believe in ourselves. And it, they became a much tougher out after that and eventually got to the, the elimination game where their goaltender stole it. All right, it is 9.15. We still got plenty of time for callers. 780-496-0063. The Oilers eliminated with a 3-2 loss to the Blackhawks. Overtime open line, courtesy Century Casino. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Minnesota up 1-0 on Vancouver, 8.5 minutes into the first period. Minnesota must win to prolong that series. 
Toronto was able to do that a little earlier tonight. A dramatic 3-0 comeback in the last four minutes. And then Matthews won it in overtime. Big thanks to Ascendant Financial. They've been giving $25 per goal all season long to 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. When the name of the game is life, there's Ascendant Financial. Visit CoveredAlberta.ca. The goals tonight for the Oilers, Archibald and Nugent Hopkins. But that's it. Oilers lose 3-2. They're eliminated in four by the Chicago Blackhawks. Randy, go ahead, sir. Yeah, I think it's really too bad that uh, the season had to end so fast, but there's always the bright side. we got to always look at the bright side. We're really good at winning draft lotteries. Well, it could happen, buddy. You're right. And how much is it going to destroy the rest of the league when we have to decide whether we're going to put LaFrenley on, on McDavid's wing or not, right? That's going to drive the rest of the league crazy. But the, the big difference I see, the, the, the 16 seeds that won today, Granted, they're older, but they have horse defensemen, real solid A number one stud defensemen. We never had that. We still don't have that. We don't see it coming in our future. And until we can solve that problem, I think we're always going to be an also ran team. Have a good night, Reed. Okay, thanks, Randy. Well, the Oilers are hoping Broberg and uh, Bouchard turn out. I, I don't know if uh, if Randy thinks they would they would fit the bill or not. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like. <sighs> Is that why the Oilers lost to the Hawks? Was it because Duncan Keith is still back there, Rob? <laughs> uh, Duncan Keith was very good in this series. Uh, probably played a lot stronger than many had expected. But no. I mean, he wasn't the one that was shutting down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettel. Uh To me, the, the depth players for the Oilers didn't get it done. I think the Oilers defensively were not as strong as they needed to be. And goaltending, they never got enough big saves. Corey Crawford, I mean, his goals against average and his save percentage don't look great after this series, but he came up with big but saves and big game. moments. He specifically yes. won tonight's game. Absolutely. And the Oilers needed a goalie to win them a game, and they didn't get that. And in a playoff series, at some point, you need a goalie to win you a hockey game. We saw Jeff just go around all the different playoff series going on right now. At some point, every game had a, or every team had a goalie win them a game. The Oilers did not have that. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Scott, go ahead. Uh, how you guys doing tonight? Uh, uh, very depressed, like everybody else. Uh, just want to say, uh, um, Mom said that uh, if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. So I won't even comment about the coaching. But I think they're. Uh, as much to blame uh, about this series as uh, as any of the players. Um, I, I kind of got the thunder stole with the guy talking about a number one defense, and I really do think uh, uh, that was my point and uh, why I was going to call. And I mean, you look at Nurse, you know, number three, four, maybe uh, Larson. Uh, I don't even know if he's a four anymore. Of course, I guess you can call him a four. Uh, Clefbaum's a good three. I don't know. Uh, and if we're waiting on Bouchard and Broberg. Man, that's, that's a long wait. Well, Bouchard might play next year. Yeah, but I, uh, but I understand what you're saying, Scott. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it, man. Take care, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think you look at... It's an interesting discussion about about the defense, and and there were times where you looked at the Oilers' defense, Rob, and three or four guys probably didn't belong in the NHL. They're they're better than that, but why has Ethan Bear stood out this year? Because he can get the puck and he can move it up the ice. You know, he can pass, 
Uh, Larson's not a great passer. Um, Nurse is a good skater. I wouldn't call him a great passer, and he doesn't have great vision. We've talked about that. I, I do like, again. I do think Clefbaum's a really good player. Benning certainly has been good on the bottom pairing. I'm actually still surprised he doesn't play more. I think Jones can be a good bottom pair guy. We'll see what Bouchard and Broberg can bring. But if you look at some of the NHL teams, I mean, look at Dallas with uh, Heiskanen and Klingberg back there. McCarr and Hughes are going to be stars, right? Because they can start to play at the back end and and they can get the puck out. And that's to me, that's why Bear was good, because he could go back, retrieve the puck under pressure, and still start it up ice. Well, and I'll take it a step further with Bear, is his hockey sense. He can see the play. He knows how to make the play. He knows when to move the puck, when to to punt, uh, when to turn this way, turn that way, when the guy needs the puck, where he needs the puck. He's got. There's other players that have uh, as good, of, if not more, skill than Bear has, but they don't think the game as well as he does. And the other players that you talked about, like look at some of the young players that are coming into the league. Hughes in Vancouver, McCarr in Colorado. Their hockey set, sense is exceptional. And it, it goes with a high skill level. So I think that when you're looking for players in the National Hockey League now, guys that stand out are guys that see the game well because this game is becoming faster. So if it's a fast game and you got a slow brain, your fast feet aren't going to help you. Yeah. But if you got a fast brain, then all of a sudden it, it kind of uh, hides other parts of your game. You can ha- you can be a step behind because you think faster. And I think that's what Ethan Bear does. He thinks faster than the other players. That's why he stands out so well. Oilers lose 3-2 to the Blackhawks. Season is over. Terry, go ahead. Rob Reed, uh, good to hear your voices again. It's too bad this has to end this way. I uh, can't disagree with very much of what's been said tonight, but there's one thing that really bothers me. And I'm just wondering if the technical staff of the Oilers is um, doing anything. Um, I can't help but notice this is not something that just happened this year or last year. It's been going on for a few years now. But you put number 25 and number 97 together on the ice in their own zone, and it's almost a disaster almost all the time. And if, if you went and looked at a plus or minus situation, if you went and reviewed all these tapes, I think uh, they got a technical issue there. I don't know what their assignments are. Uh, you know, I'm not a coach. I'm not an insider. So I, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but I am saying there's something technically wrong there. All right. Thanks, Terry. 780-496-0063. We're going to take a quick timeout for the 930 News. Uh, Jim and Harry, you're up next on the phone lines. The Oilers season has come to an end. Century Casino, overtime open line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation tweeted out in the last hour here, today's Oilers Online 50-50 presented by REMAX is now closed in order to process transactions in the queue. We will be posting the winning number as soon as we are able to process those transactions the website says the total pot over 11 million dollars so uh five and a half a little bit more than five and a half to the winner not bad reed wilkins rob brown final overtime open line of the season we're going to give uh, all the listeners callers and texters to overtime open line the fourth star of the game for white eagle homes built from the homeowner's perspective with thousands of personalization options visit whiteeaglehomes.ca all right rob Ready to take her home here, final half hour of the season? Unfortunately, yes, I am. Do you have the stamina? 
you have <laughs> you have what it takes. Well, the fact that they started the game earlier, I think, really helps me a lot because this is around my bedtime. So this is way better now. I, I just honestly read. I had even coming into tonight's game with the way the series had gone, I had no hesitation saying that I thought the Oilers were still going to win this series. So that's why this is just. Um, surreal that we're doing the last half hour of the show because I thought we would be going for at least a little bit while longer. All right, we have Jim calling in. Go ahead, Jim. Uh, yes, uh, uh, how did Neil play in the in the playoffs? Uh, I, thought, I thought Neil did okay, actually. Yeah, got a yeah, couple I goals. Because, yeah, Reed, uh, I agree. I thought, I thought he looked people, well. People, when that trade was made uh, for Neil, for the guy that left you guys and went to Calgary, had some pretty big laughs over how great it was for Edmonton. And uh, I think the shoe is on the other foot now because that guy is playing real well for the Calgary Flames. Don't you think? I thought he had a pretty good series. Yeah, he got in a fight the, uh, the other yeah. night. Well, this other guy wanted to fight him. So, um, way to go, Calgary Flames. Well, so you just so you just called in to, to troll everybody, Jim. You're not even like you don't have anything constructive to say. And he hangs up because he's a big coward. <laughs> I, actually, you know what, Reed? I thought I thought James Neal did have a good series. I thought he looked good. I thought he's to me he's a playoff type hockey player. He, he's got a little you know sandpaper to his game. He, he seems to score or, or get involved in, at big moments. Uh, I mean, that was one of the reasons I was hoping that he would move up and play with Connor if they switched the lines around because I thought he did uh, bring something to, to this series. I thought he was one of the players that actually played up to his uh, potential throughout the series. So, no, I, I think he did well. And in the regular season, and I know the playoffs is crunch time, there was no comparison between James Neal and Milan Lucic. Nope. No, there hasn't I mean, been James for the last Neal couple of years. James scored more goals in October than Lucic scored the entire season. Yep, no. I mean, I, I hope Lucic has success in Calgary. I really do. But I think that if the Oilers had a chance to do it all over again, they'd be pretty happy doing the same trade. Harry on line one. Go ahead, Harry. Hi, Harry. Go ahead. Well, maybe Harry's not there. Ty, are you there? Yep. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, uh, Rob, I just had a quick question for you. I know you played on a bunch of different teams, and I know the Oilers don't use their D as much in the Ozone because they're kind of constantly looking for forwards. I was wondering as a, as a former player if you noticed that depending on who you played with, you'd use the D more, and kind of noticed that Chicago throws it back there a lot. So I'll uh, kind of hang up and let you kind of speak. They have different systems kind of produce points differently for D-men. Well, I was a, an offensive player, and I always liked getting the defense involved in the play because it, it gave you an odd man. It, it just opened up more scoring opportunities. Um, there are, throughout your career, you play with certain players and certain defensemen that you are more apt to pass to, and there's certain guys you look back there and see them, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to keep it down low instead. You don't want the play to die with certain players. I think the Chicago Blackhawks did a really good job throughout this series getting their defensemen involved. Uh, their defense, I don't think, are uh, you would call them you know, big physical type defensemen, but they all move pretty good. They're all able to get pucks on net. They they, they understand their role, and, and the Blackhawks aren't as deep up front 
and aren't going to beat you outside of a cane or a Taves uh, one-on-one a lot down low. So you have to get your defensemen involved. I think they did a fantastic job throughout this, the series. And to me, the biggest uh, reason that the Blackhawks won this series was the play of their defense. Uh, they they got involved. They scored goals. Pucks were coming from the point, and that's how they created most of their offense. So, yeah, I, I don't think the Oilers probably used their defensemen enough. Now 2-1 Minnesota leading Vancouver, 348 left in the first period. Vancouver's up 2-1 in that series. All right, post-game reaction. Uh, they were at the podium together, Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Connor, uh, Jonathan Taves, I think, was probably the best player in this series. He was very intense, and he won all of his battles. Did you guys ever get your battle level up to where it needed to be to beat Jonathan Taves in the Blackhawks? Um, I thought we had our moments. Um, you know, obviously game one, wash. Game two is ours. Three bounces tonight, whatever, just same type of thing. Um, you know what, they were really good. Give them credit. Our next question comes from Jim Matheson, Post Media. Uh, this is for Ryan. Does this uh, loss hammer home the the feeling that best of fives, if you lose the first game in a best of five, you're fighting uphill the rest of the series? It's not like a best of seven where you you have a little more runway. I mean, uh, yeah, it's definitely a little different. We knew that coming in, and uh, game one still wasn't good enough for us, but game two we battled hard, and three, four, I mean, even the whole way through tonight, Tons of chances, uh, especially near the end. But I mean, um, I mean, we can't. Uh, you can't give a, away a game like that first game in the best of seven, and especially not best of five. Our next question comes from Rob Tichkowski, Post Media. Hi, for for either one of you, you guys were second in the conference or second in the division, fifth in the conference when the NHL shut down. Season's going exactly how you wanted it to. How difficult is it to wrap your heads around the turn of events that sees you guys missing the playoffs? Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a, been a weird year. I think uh, everyone can say that, um, you know, coming back from the pause, you never know what it's going to be like. Um, I thought we had a good training camp. Everyone was ready to go. And then, uh, you know, you lose three or four and you don't get in. That's just the way it goes. The next question comes from Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic. I'll ask uh, Ryan, as somebody who's been here for for a long time, it uh, seems like a lot of strides were, were made this year, a lot of guys kind of stepping up, uh, but in the end, you, you lose it in, in the qualifying round. What is the takeaway from this season? I mean, yeah, I mean, overall, um, regular season, um, we were where we wanted to be. We made some good strides. We knew it was going to be a battle, no matter who you played, cut again into the playoffs here. Um, we came up short. I mean, there's not much, there's not much left to say. I mean, you guys, you guys watch all the games. Uh, the other night could have went uh, our way. Tonight could have went our way too. But I mean, bottom line is they didn't. Now we're done. I mean, there's not much you can take. Uh, I mean, at this point, I mean, we're gonna have to go back and look. But I mean, there's not much to say at this point. Okay, we'll take a few questions from Zoom. We'll start with Ryan Rashad, TSN. Uh, Connor, Darnell Nurse just said, you know, he feels the most intensity level you guys were able to find was actually in your exhibition game against the Calgary Flames. He just admitted that for whatever reason, your intensity level never got to where it needed to be. Now, do you agree with that? And, and why do you think you guys had a hard time 
harnessing the moment and, and finding that intensity? Um, that's a good question. Um, you know what? I don't think, uh, I thought we had our moments in this series. Um, yeah, I mean, our exhibition game against Calgary was intense, I guess. Um, you know, we don't need to play Calgary every night to, we can't, can't play Calgary every night to, to bring it. So, got to figure it out. Our next question comes from Neil McHale, InsideHockey.com. Hey, uh, Connor, questions for you. Um, I know it's hard to evaluate and assess just lessons learned here, but you're playing a Chicago team that's obviously had a lot of success and has had some down years, and now they have the success of going on to the playoffs this year. Is there anything you can learn from that group of players that you've gone against and how to play and how to have success in this league? Uh, I mean, it's been about five minutes, so I haven't really thought about that yet. Um, yeah, I mean, we got lots of time to, to think, so figure it out, I guess. We'll do a couple more here. The next question comes from Jason Greger. Connor and Ryan, I get the sense, obviously, every series loss is frustrating, but... You know, after the season you guys had, and you know, you come back, Connor. You, you know, you talked about you you felt healthy and you did all regular season. That this probably really stings. I know it's only the qualifying round, but you feel like you you kind of wasted an opportunity with this team. I mean, obviously, it's it stings right now. Like Connor said, I mean, it's just happened. Um, we came in with the right mindset. We had a great training camp leading into it. It just it doesn't happen for us. So um, yeah, I mean there's uh, just, there's not much to say right now. I mean we we got beat. It's uh, disappointing. We I mean I thought other than probably the first game we worked hard. I mean our intensity our intensity level I think was still up when we needed to be. They play a different game than Calgary, so obviously it's going to be a little bit different. Um, they don't get into that too much. They want to play the skill game and. And they capitalize on their opportunities. So I mean, it's, uh, it's uh, I mean, it's, it's tough to swallow right now. It's, um, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of time now to think about this. All right, that's the news. Got the last goal of the season. Connor McDavid nine points in four games. The Oilers are out three games to one. The Blackhawks win the series. Hey, thanks to Japanese Village and the goal light all season long. We turned it on whenever the Oilers scored five or more in a game. Japanese Village, steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Book at any of their five locations at jvedmonton.ca. Fred, go ahead. Hey, how's it going, boys? Oh, good, Fred. How's life? <laughs> I tell you what, Reed, you'll get this. I cranked uh, high and dry to 11 after the game. Oh, I might yeah. listen to that tonight. Yeah, you, you know. should. High and dry Saturday night. Best song ever by Def Lapper. But anyway, uh, you got to have a true number one defenseman. And Duncan Keith, for 37 years old, played unbelievable in this series. And I got to give Chicago's my second favorite hockey team, so I think the Hawks are going to go all the way. A lot of people might think I'm crazy, but Tease, he's got that Mark Messier look right now, and I think this team can do it. They got a good young hockey team with a mix of veterans. If Corey Crawford plays like he did tonight, look out for those Hawks. Yeah, well, they they played well. I, I certainly give uh, some of the young players credit. Kubalik's exciting. Doc played well. Um, Crawford was excellent tonight. To talk about the 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 Kings winning the Stanley Cup, 
or the pardon me the the Kings the Hawks winning the Stanley Cup I was thinking about when they used to play LA almost every year in the playoffs I mean that, to me Crawford would really be tested and if you're going up against Bennington and Fleury and 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 Bishop I I, I still full credit to them for beating the Oilers I, I didn't think they would but I, I would consider them a long shot to go all the way uh, yeah, Reed. I don't. I don't see them beating either Colorado or Vegas in the next round. I think those teams are too deep, and that's who they're going to play. One of those two teams. So, uh, I think they've had a nice run. But I, I mean, I never thought they get by the Oilers. But I, I think Colorado and Vegas are, are two elite teams that just going to be too much for for the Chicago Blackhawks. Faceoff trivia. Final one of the season. Andrew is the winner. Who scored four playoff hat tricks for the Oilers in 1985? 1985? Yari Curry? Yari Curry had four playoff hat tricks in 1985. Nice. Do I win the last prize of the year then? No, Andrew won that. Yari oh. Curry had three hat tricks and a four... Well, he had four hat tricks. One of them was a four-goal game. He scored 19 goals in 18 games, had 31 points. It's a pretty good playoff run. Yeah. Pretty good. So Andrew gets a prize package valued at 50 bucks to enjoy a fast track indoor karting, safe adrenaline pumping fun, fasttrackkartingedmonton.com. Back for our final segment of the season, Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. This could be the game right here with seven minutes left in the first overtime. David Savard gets the puck. Cannot clear it beyond Morgan Riley at the left point. John Tavares has it. Here's a shot. Score. Austin Matthews wins it in overtime. The Leafs come back from being down three to nothing with under four minutes to play. And we go to a game five on Sunday. All right, you may have guessed that's the Columbus radio call, Rob. I'm sure I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure the Leafs. I'm sure the Toronto one, but that was a little subdued. I can't, I can't help but laugh at that. I, I didn't even realize that was that was Bob McGilligut from the Blue Jackets radio network. The the Maple Leafs uh, were down three nothing with about four minutes to go. They scored three goals, three thirty two apart late in the third period, and then Austin Matthews won it in overtime. So that is uh, very similar to what Anaheim did to Edmonton three years ago. Uh, as we take the Edmonton Trailer scoreboard one final time, 4-3 Leafs win it, so they force a fifth game on Sunday. Canadians finish off the Penguins in Game 4 with a 2-0 win. Exciting game for the Coyotes over the Predators, 4-3 in overtime to win the series in four. The Predators tied it in the final minute but couldn't win it in overtime. Islanders thumped the Panthers 5-1 to win the series 3-1. And after one, the Wild are up 2-1 on the Canucks. The Wild are trying to force Game 5 on Sunday. And, of course, right here on 6.30, Chad, the Blackhawks get a game winner from Dominique Kubalik at 7.30. Uh, pardon me, 8.30 of the uh, final period. And that's it for the Oilers. Blackhawks win 3-2. Well, Rob, uh, we're winding her down. Uh, I mean, we're going to uh, continue talking a lot about the team over the summer. We'll see if we have a CFL season, and Chad will bring you EE's football if uh, if we get to that. Uh, I'll just kind of leave it, to, uh, give you a minute here for the Oilers season. Look, I, I thought, I said often during the year, I thought the Oilers had a good team. And they probably would have finished somewhere between eighth and thirteenth in the final standings if, if we if we'd finished off the eighty-two games. Uh, I don't think that they're a great team, and I think unfortunately we saw more of the deficiencies that are stopping them from being great than more of the things that had them good 
throughout the season in, in this series. I, I agree. I, I think they they got a pretty good starting point with with Connor and Leon and R and H. I mean, you're set there. Now you got to find more players to complement them. I think the we saw some great surprises this year. And Ethan Bear, Kyler Yamamoto, both came up and played exceedingly well and, and bodes well going forward. Um, but there are deficiencies in the game that they hope they hope that their goaltending was going to be good enough having the two goalies push each other. In the end, the goaltending wasn't good enough in, in this playoff round. Uh, they hoped that their top pairing was going to be strong enough. Well, they didn't come back from uh, the, the long break, and they weren't good enough, Larson and, and Clefbaum. But there are good young players coming up. So I, I, to me, it was a, a good season with a very disappointing end and something to build off of and hopefully something to learn from they they took big steps forward this year but at the very end they they found out how far back they still have to go and you can't ride you know two or three players and win series you need a group effort and the group wasn't strong enough yet and that'll be on Kenny Holland to find what he can do to to add to a team that's got some great players but still has some holes in the lineup. Rob, you're the best. It's a true pleasure to work with you, buddy. I've had a fun year, Reed. I'm looking forward to having a short offseason here and hopefully getting back at this sooner than later. All right. Hey, thanks to all of you for listening to Century Casino Overtime Open Line throughout the season and the City Ford Faceoff Show. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer, Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. You did a great job. Angie Quinnell had to pinch hit sometimes. She was awesome as well. Thanks to Brendan Escott and Scott Johnson for getting post-game audio for the games of Rogers Place. Mike Evans, Grant Ranson, and Sean Alford, our excellent engineering team at the Chorus Building, and they really worked hard to get Bob and Jack broadcasting. Dave Campbell and Morley Scott, my colleagues in the sports department, helped with our Oilers coverage all season long. Bob Michael, or Bob Michaels, <laughs> Bob Stoffer, Jack Michaels, you guys are a pleasure to work with as well. Thanks for everything you bring. And our executive producer and a true mentor of mine is Sid Smith. Thank you as well. That's it for the Oilers. Globalnews.ca, 630Ched.com for additional coverage. I will talk to you inside sports Monday at 6. I'm Reed Wilkins. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.